Hello and welcome to the Daily Post Podcast with Sachin Nadal and Melan Bandari, where we will be talking about all the things worth talking about in the magical world of the NBA. I'm your co-host, Milan Bandari. And I'm Sachin Nadal. And in a new format that we're trying today, we are going to be covering box scores, Blake Griffin, MVP race, and also the other awards that will be given at the end of the year. Alright, let's do this. The All-Star Game. It happened over All-Star Weekend, which was, well, this weekend. And uh, it was quite eventful. 170 to 150. We really expect this from All-Star Game. Very high scores. But who did what? All right, well, overall, uh, LeBron's team, he got 63.6% from the field goal, uh, which was much higher, 13% or so. Uh, then Team Durant, 52.6. Now, Braun's team was also shooting over 50% from the three-point line. It's insane. Uh, over Team Durant's 37.5. They were evenly matched at three out of every five free throws. Uh, 48 rebounds for Braun in comparison to Kevin Durant's 41. Uh, keep in mind, I'm just talking about teams in this way. Um... Durant with 47 assists, Durant's team with 47 assists, uh, one higher than LeBron. And finally, the last things that we're going to get into, LeBron's team had three blocks, Kevin Durant none. Kevin Durant's team had 15 steals in comparison to LeBron's team's nine. And finally, eight personal fouls for each of these teams and 18 turnovers for LeBron's team, 14 for Kevin Durant's. All right, so... We do know the team stats now, but what about personal stats? Giannis went off for Team Le- Like, Giannis was doing insane for Team LeBron. In literally 19 minutes and, well, if you want to get bogged down to the details, 12 seconds, he had scored 35 points to go with 7 rebounds and 3 assists. He shot 3 for 3 from the 3-point line and went perfect from the field goal overall, too. Now, he had a plus-minus of plus 17. But he wasn't the only player that was clearly affecting his team on the court in a good way. Stephen Curry also had a plus 17, plus a uh, box plus-minus, along to go with his 28 points, 4 rebounds, and 4 assists. Nikola Jokic, however, was the highest out of LeBron's team, with a plus 23 box plus minus. Um, and now we can just, you know, little skip over to Team Durant and see that actually there was only one starter, that being Jason Tatum, with a plus uh with a positive box plus minus, with a plus seven. Everybody else was below zero on that. Now, as for them, they went in order. Uh, for the starters, Bradley Beal, Kyrie Irving, Jason Tatum, Zion Williamson, and, and uh, Kawhi Leonard, 26 points, 24 points, 21 points, 10 points, and 8 points. Now, Kyrie Irving stood out in the passing with his 12 assists. Uh, Jason Tatum slowly and Kawhi Leonard slowly following with 7 and 8, respectively. Uh, most minutes played out of that entire starters were Kyrie Irving with his 32 minutes. Uh, James Harden on the bench still playing 31 minutes, although his box plus minus, along with the rest of the bench, 
kind of abysmal. He had a box plus minus of negative 23, Mitchell negative 17, Zach Levine negative 17, Nikola Vucevic negative 19, Randall negative 10, and finally Conley negative 6. So as we can see here, and those were all the players that had played, as we can see, they were not doing too great. And it's obviously portrayed by the score losing by 20 points. Such in, such in, such in. Box minus, um, you tend to have a lower box plus minus when you are on the losing team because you score less yeah, points and course. you allow more. Of course. Yes, but you see some outliers here, like James Harden with his minus 23. And then you also see outliers in the other team, like Nikola Jokic with a plus 23. And you can kind of see a correlation here as to how some of these teams might have had a disadvantage, right? Because some players were just, you know, not performing up to par. And yes, as you stated, when you're on the losing team, you'll tend to have, uh, you know, not as good box plus minuses all around. However, with these specific outliers, you could say that them being on the court also affected other people's box plus minuses to be lower, depending on that respective person's performance. So... Uh, with that, we now kind of have a little idea on their stats. Uh, but, I mean, we saw the score, we saw what happened. Once again, Chris Paul with 8 rebounds, that was absolutely insane. And of course, 16 assists, he's Chris Paul. Uh, Giannis, once again, 35 points in under 20 minutes. Uh, Curry with his 28. But overall, a very, very entertaining All-Star game, that's for sure. I mean, LeBron's team scored 60 and a quarter at one point in time. So, had they not have lost a little bit of speed uh, at the end, they probably could have cracked 200 points in a game for the first time ever. So, that should give you a little intel on, in case you didn't watch the game, uh, how insane this game was. But yeah, on to our next section. Milan Bandari is going to take it away. All right. So, I'm going to be talking about the man, the myth, the legend. Well, not really. Blake Griffin. Alright. And what I'm going to be talking about is, is he still good? And, well, why why there's such a big thing around him? Alright. So, Blake Griffin, as you guys know, he was drafted by the Los Angeles Clippers with the first pick in the draft. Not surprising. And... Then, in his first year in the NBA, he didn't actually play. He had a knee injury. But the second he played, he came out. Like he was pretty much shot out of a cannon, becoming an all-star and averaging 22 points per game and 12 rebounds, which are insane numbers for a rookie. And so there was a whole ton of hype surrounding Blake Griffin. And, well, th that's to no surprise. He was catching lobs. He was one of the best dunkers in the league, and he was one of the best players. And over the next two years, we saw his stats dip a little bit, but that was because of other stars on his team. And but by other stars, I don't mean like really other stars. I mean like Chauncey Billup, Chris Paul, Mo Williams, and um, Karen Butler. Karan Butler is, yes, Karan Butler. He's Karen Butler. Anywho, um, yes, Karan Butler. Not Karen Butler, sorry. Okay, um. And he was a Blake Griffin. Um, he start, he really started to improve once Chris Paul became an integral part of the Clippers system. And the Clippers were one of the best teams. But since they're the Clippers, they were cursed 
and they never actually made it past the second round of the playoffs. And Blake Griffin then, he was kind of plagued with knee injuries. In 2015-16 season, he had a bunch of injuries. Sachin, do you have something to say? Uh, as for your Clippers, Chris, I just want to add this in. I'm sure Milan already knew this. Uh, but just to reference how bad this curse is, um, the Lakers overall have had more of a chance of making the NBA Finals than the Clippers had of winning a regular season game. Yes, that is a true stat. I don't remember the exact numbers, but it's something like 50% for the Lakers making the Finals versus 40 for the Clippers winning a regular season game. Uh, pretty darn sad, but I'm sorry, Millen. Keep talking. Huh. I guess that is true, Sachin. So now let's continue talking about Blake Griffin. So, as you know, he was traded to the prestigious team of the Detroit Pistons. And from there, he had a somewhat of a recovery season in 2018 to 2019. He was actually an all-star, averaging the highest points per game in his career. But then, he got injured. Again. And he and he only played 15 games in the 20... Sorry, 18 games in the 2020 to the 2019 to 2020 NBA season. And this year, he's actually been playing pretty well. He hasn't missed too many games. He's missed a lot because of... In, he's had, like, injuries and all, but, like, he's been consistent. He's consistently been on the roster. But recently, he was just traded. Sorry, well, not traded. He was signed with the Brooklyn Nets. And... Well, some people think that this is not a big deal, but I think that it's a huge deal that he was traded to the Brooklyn Nets because he's just what they need. He's the only, he's just a consistent bucket, and that's what the Brooklyn Brooklyn Nets need right now. They don't need any explosive scores. They just need someone who can put the ball in the hoop. Sachin, do you agree with that statement? Uh. I, I don't completely uh, understand what you're saying here, but sure, more or less. I mean, I figured they had enough scoring, right? But, I mean, it never hurts to have more scoring, I guess, is what you're trying to say. Yes, yes, that's exactly what I'm trying to say. Because every NBA star has their off nights. We've seen Kevin Durant, he's had a couple off nights, um, um... James Harden, Kyrie Irving, they all have off nights. But when you have someone that can consistently put up 15 points, that's what the Brooklyn Nets need to take them from a good team to the best team in the league. I understand what you mean now. All right. Glad that I could help with that. All right. And now, Sajin, do you want to move on to our next topic? Absolutely. Which is... An update on the MVP race. All right, so this time, are we even going to use pluses? I mean, this time, we should actually be talking about uh, what we think would be, you know, most sensible for the rankings for MVP. Like, for example, oh, I think this person should be first uh, and this person second, so on and so forth. All right, so with that in mind, uh, let's just kick it off with the first one. Millen, what, who do you think should win MVP this season and why? Jokic. <laughs> well, Nikola Jokic. So, yes, his team is not the best, 
but it's still almost as good as the Brooklyn Nets. And he, Nikola Jokic, he is a superstar. He's averaging 27 points per game, 11 rebounds, and 9 assists, along with one and a half steals. So this just gives you a picture of what he can do on the court. And not only that, he's a leader. He's constantly pushing his team to wins. And he's just an amazing player to watch. Sachin, do you think that Nikola Jokic is worthy of an MVP? I was going to say the same thing. He is absolutely worth MVP. I don't even need to recite stats to just I mean, this guy is practically putting up 30 points a game on 10 plus assists. I mean, really, there's, there doesn't get to be a better leader than Nikola Jokic. And it's not even really because of his stats itself. It's just the way that he carries himself and his team. It's just unparalleled, right? And the fact that he's doing it at so, so young, like his career has not been for a while necessarily. He's not some seasoned veteran, right? And his team is also just as young. I think that helps like the way of what a threat the, the Denver Nuggets could be in future, especially when LeBron is gone, when Curry is gone. Although that'll never happen because Stephen Curry is amazing and he will stay in the league forever. Uh, when all of these players, all the greats of yesterday are gone, it's so interesting to think about what a prime Nikola Jokic, if you could argue that this is already his prime, and then a Jamal Murray at complete top level, and then surrounding them with some of the best pieces a team has ever had before. Like, it's scary to think how good these Denver Nuggets team can be. So, with that, I absolutely agree with you, Milan. Nikola Jokic should win MVP. Oh, right. And who think... for second? Ah, second place for MVP? I mean, I would have to go with Joel Embiid. Because... Okay. He, and, and I will explain. They're on the second best team in the NBA. Joel Embiid's on the second best team, and he is putting up amazing numbers. And not only numbers... I know that on this podcast, we talk a whole lot about numbers, 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 but just the impact, just how you see him playing with his teammates and how he creates wins, how he helps his team and doesn't ball hog like James Harden. And he's he doesn't need the ball okay. to help his team be successful. Shots fired, I see, Milan. Oh, that, that wasn't supposed to like fire shots. I was just, you know, speaking the truth. <laughs> okay. Uh, respect to James Harden. Just saying, um, really amazing player, and he's putting up a lot of assists. I mean, not I can't even argue for him being a ball hog anymore, but he's putting up insane assist numbers. Uh, respect to James Harden once again. But um, yeah. What about other coveted, coveted NBA awards, such as Sixth Man of the Year? I know this one's an interesting one for this year. Who do you have winning it? Hmm. Well, Jordan Clarkson, of course. There's no debate. Such a who do you think and why do you think he should win? It's really what I mean, Jordan Clarkson is at the top of the list, but honestly, I don't even know if I'm leaning towards him. Uh, I've never had a solid opinion on this one. I mean, MVP was fairly easy, right? Because uh, although at that, I shouldn't even say that. It's not that easy, but... 
I mean, you always knew that, you know, if Jokic won, it wouldn't be a surprise. If Embiid won, eh, kind of, but not really, it wouldn't be a surprise because of how insane they're doing this season. And then obviously his team wins. MVP was always fairly clear-cut and pretty easy to guess who and formulate an opinion on who should win it. But six-man is just kind of tough. But why would you have Jordan Clarkson winning? Well, so first of all, he fits a very important category. He's on the bench. That is... Mm, that's a very important... Oh, yeah, um, no. Without that, he literally cannot win six-man of the year. Ah, uh, it, it's extremely say. important that he plays on the bench. He's also one of the best players on the best team. He's he's leading the league in his free throw percentage, so he can always get a an easy clutch bucket. He's averaging 18 points per game off the bench, which is absolutely bonkers. Like, that doesn't happen too much. And especially on the Utah Jazz, the best team in the league. And... With his addition to the team, they he makes the he makes the um, Utah Jazz a legitimate team. Earlier in the season, when he wasn't doing too well, everyone thought that the Utah Jazz were just a gimmick who were going to flame out eventually. But now they look like solid playoff contenders. I mean, they look like a legit team. Sachin, do you agree with that? I would definitely agree with that. All right, and I think that we've covered all of our topics. So um, that is the Daily Post podcast, and we will see you next time. Thank you so much for listening.